Hey everyone, this is a bonus episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. This is an audio version of Prepper Website Live. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Prepper Website Live. I'm Todd Sepulveda. I am the host of the Prepper Website Podcast and the editor of Prepper Website. I'm so glad that you can hang out with us today. Today we're going to be talking about food storage and uh, how important is food storage to our preparedness. Hey, one of the things that um, uh, that I want to say is uh, I am joined by some of my friends here tonight. Mick Rowland, who is uh, the uh, the blogger, author over at the mick-rowland.com, and then Brian Hawkins, who is uh, the owner of nextstepsurvival.com. And uh, I am glad that you guys are here with me today, and we get to talk about food storage and all that good stuff. So uh, let's go ahead and, and get going. And uh, as we start, uh, before we jump into the food storage, all the food storage um, you know, information here that we're going to share with everyone, uh, I want to ask you, is there anything that you're paying attention to out there? Anything that is uh, anything that is important to you? Anything that you're staying up with uh, that we can uh, share and just um, let people let people know what's going on? And uh, I'll just kick it over to to Mick. What do you what do you got going on, man? Is there anything pay, you're paying attention to, or anything that you're up to right now? Well, I've uh, been a little bit too busy to really follow the news, but you know, it actually feels kind of good to stay a little unplugged. So I haven't felt too bad about that. Around here, it's uh, maple sap season. So we've been busy uh, tapping the trees and boiling it down to syrup. So that's been keeping us busy. That and the chickens have been laying again. We've been getting more eggs. So there's uh, stuff keeping us busy around the house. So not a lot of time for news. That's good. It's always good when the chickens are laying, uh, you know, uh, yeah. when, when you, um, you're, you're getting eggs, that yeah. is, that's a big deal. We, we miss our fresh eggs. <laughs> and so, um, I, I don't know, Mick, you still got to do that thing on, on, uh, raising chickens and stuff. We still got to get you lined up to do that. We're going to do that Perfect. real soon. Well, you just keep reminding me cause I'm, uh, I'm forgetful. <laughs> Brian, is there anything that you're up to? Anything you're keeping your eye on? Uh, the world's crazy right now, but uh, what's going on? What's going on in your world? Um, just, just the basics right now. And like you said, the world's crazy, and anything is possible at this point. So uh, there's a lot of talk about shortage in in the grains and that, which is a, a lot of the feed that animals are fed, and which is. Ex- it's expected that it's going to raise the uh, price of meat and poultry. And, um, of course, it, the shortage is always a potential there as well. And then I, I just heard that uh, um, in your state, there, Todd, Texas, where we I think, believe we produce a lot of uh, oil and gasoline and that type of stuff, the, sto- the gas stations are, are full, but then the... Where, where they process it, the, uh, I forgot what it's called. What is it? Refineries. Refineries. They're, they're low. So I don't, I guess this is all residual from, from the storm. So that's still in, in some stores I heard this morning, um, some of the stores are still, uh, have, you know, spotty shelves, you know, not empty shelves, but you know, there's still, some things are still just 
coming in at trickle. So, yeah. And, and it's, it's amazing how one thing can upset us like the country turn us upside down so quickly. And we've seen that with COVID we're seeing it with the storms and, uh, and everything seems so erratic right now. So I think, right. I think the topic that we're going to discuss today is like vitally important more than it's ever been before, or at least in our lifetimes. Yeah. I, I think uh, we're all kind of familiar with, we all read at one point, the, uh, the article uh, nine meals away from anarchy and, uh, you know, that's one of those things is, is people don't realize how important food storage is. So I think you're, you're correct. Now, I, I will tell you, I go to the grocery store on Saturday mornings early, early and uh, to beat the, beat the crowd. And, uh, you know, I, I was pretty impressed that the grocery store that I went to was pretty stocked. Now, down here in Texas, HEB um, is a real big, uh, you know, chain and uh, they, they're well known for getting, you know, their stocks in and, and uh, being a great supporter of the state and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's where I normally shop. And uh, there was a lot of, you know, the, the shelves were stocked and things were, were good. But I, I do, uh, I have heard what you're, what you're mentioning. And I have also heard about the, uh, just the, uh, I think it was the strategic oil supply was low as well. And uh, so that's kind of, you know, crazy when you start thinking about all of those things. Um, we are truly living in a very fragile world, and I don't think we realize that. So before we jump into food storage, let me, I just one of the things that I've been up to, you know, I always talk about prophecy updates, and uh, I think paying attention to those guys, they, they get information from a lot of different people and uh, they share just a, a wide range of information. So that's kind of where I've been getting my news lately. Um, the big thing that I've been doing that I, I've been really excited about is um, I have some old Chromebooks and uh, I didn't realize it, but when Chrome, when you have a Chromebook, uh, they get to an end of life. And I, you know, I'd never experienced this with Windows, although well, eventually Windows, they stop updating it, right? I'm still upset that they that they got rid of Windows XP. My Windows XP machine was pretty fast, right? But um, I didn't realize that they did that with Chromebooks. And so uh, I was very shocked about a, a year ago when my Chromebook, uh, I got a little message that this was the last update that was ever going to that I was ever going to get. And I was upset because the, the Chromebook ran fine. Uh, the battery lasted fine. I mean, there was nothing wrong with it, but you know, without getting updates, you're not going to uh, you know, if there was any security vulnerabilities or anything like that uh, you would be subject to it. So I was a little ticked off about that. And so I wound up stop, you know, I wasn't using that Chromebook any longer. I just kind of set it to the side but it was just sitting there. I had it, you know, in my, in, in my head that it was perfectly fine, but it just wasn't getting updates. Well, I started playing around with uh, a Linux distribution called Zorin and Zorin. I've played around with Linux before, but Zorin is a, uh, it's a, like a entry level into uh, Linux and it feels very much like windows or Chrome. And so I started playing around with it and I had an old laptop that I let my son borrow for college and he had given it back to me and I loaded it on there and I was really impressed with it because I mean, it was easy to do. I was very impressed with it. Well, then I started 
looking into thinking about the Chromebook. I mean, could I load this onto a Chromebook? And so there's a lot of other hoops that you have to jump through in, with a Chromebook. Uh, one of the things is you have to take it apart and there is a screw, you know, back in the day when you had a, a tape deck and uh, you, you knew like you had to, um, you, you could break off that little end so that it wouldn't erase. But then if you wanted to erase it, you'd put a piece of tape over it so that you could erase it. They have like a fail safe so that you can't uh, write over the Chrome OS. So you have to open it up and you have to find the one specific screw. Well, basically what it, it looks like, it's two half circles and the screw completes the circle. And so when you remove that screw, then you're able to write over the Chrome operating system. And so uh, after I did that, I was able to do it. And man, I'm just blown away at how, I mean, this Chromebook has come back to life and it's not Chrome any longer, it's Linux and it's running super fast. The battery is still lasting up to nine hours. So I'm um, just very excited about that. And uh, I don't know, I think I might do a little video or something on that because I've been trying to de-Google and de-Microsoft myself. And I think that um, that is... Uh, that's a, one way to do it, and uh, that's beneficial. That's a long explanation there, but I'm just really excited. I've been telling everybody about it. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our uh, our topic of our Prepper website live, and it's food storage. And the first question for uh, for us is, how do you handle food storage for your own preparedness? Uh, and I think everybody is going to be a little bit different on how we do that. And so I will kick it over to, I'm going to kick it over to, to Mick, because I know Brian, uh, we, Brian has this great big pantry and he can talk a little bit about that. So Mick, I'll let you start, start it off. How do you, how do you handle food storage in your preparedness? Well, mostly I envy uh, Brian's pantry. That's, that's my primary plan. Now, actually, uh, it's sort of two phase or two stages. I've got a pantry that's not quite so generous as uh, as Brian's, but it's the same idea. It's commercial food. It's the things you'd get from the grocery store. <clears throat> Try to keep a pretty good supply of that on hand. And uh, like in one of the uh, videos you had, Todd, about uh, if you're going to store stuff, store what you'll eat rather than store a bunch of stuff. I mean, you can have a whole case of artichoke carts, but if you don't like artichoke carts, now what are you going to do? You'll eat them, of course. But uh, so we've got a pretty fair supply stocked in of that. And same thing when we buy groceries, it's really just to replace what we'd uh, taken out of that. The other stage of the food storage is uh, buckets of more bulk ingredients, uh, I've been getting into baking a lot, so I've been getting a lot of uh, wheat berries, 50-pound bags of those, and storing those in buckets, and uh, kind of counting on the uh, the buckets of the staples as my my filler stretcher. If uh, push comes to shove, I'll uh, still have the the mac and cheese, but I can throw in a whole lot of something else to stretch it. So, and there's a lot of different sort of putting it away techniques. We can get into that later, but that's kind of, uh, that's the primary thing is as deep a pantry as I've got right now. And then uh, buckets of bulk. All right. Good, good stuff there. Um, Brian, come on, share, share with us your, uh, 
your good your your big old pantry. Talk to us a little bit. Well, the pantry's in transition right now because it's in a twelve by twelve room, and um, there's a video link below if you everybody wants to go look at it. But there's I I don't remember it's eight or nine racks. So those um, four foot metal rack, uh, what they call them, wire racks, is what I use, and um, we went from seven people, a seven person household to two, thankfully. So it's just my wife and me right now. And, uh, so I gained three bedrooms when, when, whenever I moved out. So that's what's going on right now. I'm in the middle of trying to situate, resituate those and paint them and new carpet. One's going to be office. One's going to be a, a pantry and the other one's going to be food storage so it's going to be food and gear so i'm going to have a, a living pantry and then i'm going to separate my long term from it because it's overwhelming actually to go in there and see all that in one place and um but we've uh just like you guys do or or, or like mick's doing i focus on what we eat and rotate it so we keep I was, uh, my, my video says six months and it's way over that, which is the two of us. It's probably a good year and a half right now of, of, um, food. And we're, um, taking like when we take out, grab a can of corn on the side of my refrigerator is, a or dry erase board. I actually just took it right out of the frame and just taped it right to the side. We have three refrigerators, so it's on one of the refrigerators. It's you know not in in the closet or, or the the cabinets, and you just write corn, and so we replace it, and then it goes into the back. So we're just practicing, you know, what we eat and rotation, and uh, trying to work out some of the carbs. We've got way too many carbs in there for this to two of us now, so we're trying to get away from some of these carbs. So a lot of that's getting donated right now. Yeah, and I've got a second the uh, the video that Brian has. We have it in the description for you, and you're going to watch that video, and you're going to be very jealous of uh, his pantry and his setup there. But uh, a lot of great ideas there, so definitely check out that video when you get a chance. Um, the way that we handle food storage, of course, we've been doing preparedness for a while, and I think as you're doing preparedness for a while. Uh, you start to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And I think that's really important because I know that there's a lot of people, new people that come to the podcast and a lot of new people that are looking at preparedness because of all the craziness that is happening in the world. Their, their lives just, you know, those that, that can think and that can think critically realize, you know what, something's up. I need to, I need to be a little bit better prepared. So I think there's a lot of new people coming. And so you got, you got to understand that at the very beginning, you're, you're not going to be perfect. You're not, you're going to look at Brian's video and you're going to say, you know, wow, I want that. And, and Brian's been working at that for a while. You're going to hear about Mick and, and how Mick uh, does and takes care of his long-term food storage and um, you know, the things that he has over in his homestead. And he's been doing that for a while. I've been doing preparedness for a while as well. And so nowhere near where, uh, where I was when I, when I first started. The way that I approach my food storage right now is in menus. And I think one of the things that really helped me was 
my wife and I, before, uh, when we were first married, uh, about two years into our marriage, we started running a group home for kids in CPS custody. And that was like, we, we lived in a home that it was a therapeutic group home, uh, residential treatment center, but we were responsible for taking care of all these kids. And so we could have up to seven kids. We had our own kids. Uh, it was, you know, my wife and I, and then we also had an assistant that was there uh, as well. And when you have all those people there, you have to be a little bit better prepared. Now, this was before Prepper website, before preparedness, before all of that. But one of the things that we utilized was a menu. And if we didn't have a menu, then you were going to, um, you just weren't going to be prepared to uh, to feed everybody and to do it uh, frugally like we needed to do. So we, we bounced off of that menu. So when we look at preparedness and the way that we look at it here is we look at uh, building off of a menu. And I talk about this in my food storage, my free food storage course, which is also in the description. You can go click on that and it will take you over there and you can uh, take this food storage course that will walk you through these, through these uh, ideas and how to do it. But basically, I think, it, I think in terms of a menu. So uh, a week's worth of menu. And I, I make a menu, you know, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And what do I need uh, for all of those meals, what it, whatever it is, then I sit down and I will write out a list. So if, um, you know, for, I don't know, I need oatmeal for Monday, I'm going to write down oatmeal and I'm going to write down how many I need for everybody in my, in my household. If I'm going to have oatmeal later on in the week, then I double that up. Right. And so I make a list, a running list of everything that I need for that one week. And then if I'm talking about wanting to uh, have a two weeks, two weeks worth of food storage, then I multiply all those things by two times. If I want to have a month's worth, I multiply all those things by four. So you can very easily ramp up very quickly, right, to have a month's worth of food storage if you're new to, to preparedness, um, you, you know, or you can do two weeks worth of a menu and then use that and then double that up and then you have a month's worth. So then kind of like what Brian says, one of the easy things that you can do is you have a running list of all the things that you that you are buying. And you here's the good thing. If you make that list the very first time, then if you needed to, you could go to the grocery store and buy off of that list if you print it out. Right. And you you know that you will be able to make meals off of that. One of the things we didn't want to do is go buy a bunch of stuff. And then when it's time to make a meal, look at the pantry and say, what am I going to make? You know, I have a little bit of this. I have a little bit of that, you know, and, and uh, let me try to put all this together and make a meal. If you go off of that one list, then you already know that you have the meals that you can make. But it's also true. So when you start using up your food storage, uh, you eat, you've always heard, or if you haven't heard, uh, one of the sayings in preparedness is eat what you store, store what you eat. And so you, uh, if you eat, if you take something out of the pantry, then you mark it down on your list, exactly what Brian was talking about. So if you're trying to maintain two months worth of food storage, well, then you can keep that, you know, that you have two months worth. If when you take something out, you are adding it to your list. And uh, just an easy way of thinking about it and kind of going that way. And it's very easy to ramp up. Uh, and, and the other thing is that can get you in 
to cans, you know, food storage, uh, canned food. Uh, that's an easy entry into food storage. And really that's where everyone should start. You shouldn't go into that long-term food storage first or building buckets. And we're, I mean, we'll talk, talk a little bit about that, but you really should start with canned food. Uh, at least that's my opinion. Uh, and that's where I'm kind of, uh, that's where I would recommend everyone kind of starting out. And that's how we approach uh, food storage and uh, in, in our preparedness. All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, mistakes, because I'm sure we've all made them mistakes that we have made in the past uh, when it comes to food storage. And uh, I don't know, uh, Brian, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Oh, you go ahead. Cause uh, yeah. Cause you don't make mistakes. Well, I do. I just don't, I don't want to take your mistake. I have so many to choose from. I can, you know, I have options. All right. That's, that's good. You know? So um, I think one of my biggest mistakes was, you know, what I talked about at the very beginning is buying a lot of stuff. Um, there was a time when I first started in preparedness and uh, I was reading a lot of the dystopia novels, which uh, you probably shouldn't read those all back to back to back. And thinking about how uh, all the world was going crazy and how the EMP was ready to go off and, and all of that. And so really early into preparedness, and I would just go to the grocery store and I'd buy all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd add it to my, to my pantry. And you got to be really careful about doing that because you'll wind up with a bunch of stuff. And so, again, when we started thinking about preparedness, it was really easy to go back to that menu and say, here you go. I'm going to do that. Um, the other thing is buying, you know, buying bulk items uh, when you're talking about making, uh, you know, big five gallon buckets, um, having a lot of beans, having a lot of rice, having a lot of pasta, but not really thinking about how you're going to make that stuff taste good. You know, uh, you can have a lot of beans and you can have a lot of rice and, you know, I'm, I'm used to eating that kind of stuff. My wife is really great at making charro beans. I mean, she makes she will rival any Mexican restaurant. She does a really great job. Her Mexican rice, everybody loves her Mexican rice. But if we don't have the spices to do that, then it's, it's going to be plain old beans and rice. And uh, that's going to be pretty sad pretty quick. So uh, you need to have some spices and ways to do that. Now, definitely you can grow stuff in your garden. Uh, you can always do that. You should be doing that. But having some spices that you can add to that would be a really great idea. All right. So those are those are some of those mistakes really early. If the apocalypse would have happened really early on, I would have been really sad and I would have just been eating just regular be you know beans and it, it wouldn't have been good. I wouldn't have been a happy I wouldn't have been a happy you know apocalypse person. Let's put it that way. All right. So uh, we'll kick it over to to Brian. And uh, what mistakes have you made as we as we talk about food storage? Well, you kind of you kind of touched on it um, a little bit when when you mentioned I I was buying the buying the food, putting it into the pantry, without considering a menu or meals. So, if you have, I don't know, you know, half the ingredients of a meal, you don't have a meal. And when I first got into prepping. Actually, you know, I was already, we are, were already big into preparedness before we even knew what a prepper was. But the, um, when I officially considered myself to be a prepper, I was struggling trying to think of how, 
because we don't we didn't cook that way you know we get some chicken out of the refrigerator you know break open some cans a couple of bags you know it goes in a pot and you got a meal and how in the world do you save all that for long term and that's because I was stuck on the long term everything doesn't have to last for 30 years you just need to get a rotation rotation method in, involved there and right now even today we we just did it yesterday. I made black-eyed peas with um, with ham that I canned myself, you know, with with canning. So everything, but at least twice a week, our meals consist of only things from the pantry or you know things that we've stored ourselves. Nothing out of the refrigerator, nothing out of the freezer. I mean, there'll be nothing wrong with that, but just just to keep keep things moving and you know in rotation and everything. And then the uh, another thing, can I have two mistakes? <laughs> another thing I did is I tend to go overboard on everything. So I got a food saver, right? So I bought like 10 rolls of the, you know, the food saver bags and I just started saving everything. I mean, and then I got a dehydrator and that went wild. I mean, I was we out of our garden i started dehydrating tomatoes and putting those in vacuum seal those in the in the food saver and the next thing you know i've got everything from kool-aid you know big packets of kool-aid and sugar and then i was saving stuff that you shouldn't do that with like flour and stuff and and now today i have hundreds if not a thousand pounds of things that i would be afraid to eat uh, and in a lot of the cases, because I just dehydrated it, or sometimes I didn't, and I just vacuum sealed it, and that was without having the knowledge, you know, just getting excited. And then when I got into the mylar bags, and that started a whole new process. And now, now you're like knee deep in food that you're this questionable at this time because you just jumped in with you know both feet, and you never looked where you were going. You no YouTube videos other than you know like. Oh, look, they're dehydrating that. I bet I can do, and I was ripping bags open. Okay, brownie mix. You know, opening the container, throwing it in, vacuum sealing it, label it, throw it in a bin. Oh, look at this, um, you know, one minute rice or something. And I do, and I just was putting everything. My wife was going in the cabinets in the kitchen saying, where's all our food? <laughs> it's, 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 all, it's wrapped up right now. We're going to have to replace that. You know, so, yeah, that. I just went crazy when I first started. Now it's all organized and, and we're using it. I feel much better about it now. Well, that, you know, you want brownies during the apocalypse. I don't know. I don't know, man. You know, you, you want to be able to do that. <laughs> well, that's good. A lot, lot of uh, good mistakes, I guess, you know, uh, mistakes on our part. It's always good to talk about failures because it helps other people out. And then there's other people in the same boat and they realize, you know what, everybody's human and we make these, these mistakes. Mick, what, Mick, I don't know. Mick probably doesn't make mistakes. Uh, I, I, he doesn't make mistakes like we do. Well, do you have any, any food storage failures, Mick? Well, my wife doesn't let me make mistakes. It's just a rule. Uh, actually, I was thinking back to uh, <clears throat> what I kind of regretted doing early on, sort of like Brian, I'd, I think I'd always been a prepper, even when I was a little kid. I just didn't know it was a thing. But uh, when I started kind of like you were saying, Todd, about uh, 
reading the novels and you start thinking, oh, I'm going to need something for an apocalypse because I just might have one. That uh, <clears throat> I started looking at the uh, food storage and I was looking at those uh, commercially dehydrated or freeze-dried meals. Uh, I can't remember the, the brand names of them. It doesn't really matter too much, but I started buying those and thinking, yeah, I'm going to stack those up. And I was sort of seduced by the idea of a 25-year shelf life. And uh, yeah, I got a little ways into that, but it's kind of expensive, which sort of slows you down. Uh, but after a while, I looked at them. And at first, I thought my little bin of these freeze-dried things, I thought, yeah, I'm pretty well set. Uh, because I think I was letting the 25-year thing fool me into thinking I could eat that for 25 years. Not that it would last 25 years, but it was actually 12 servings. So I'd be good for three days. Uh, you know, there was no 25 years. <clears throat> so that realizing that I was overpaying for a serving kind of uh, woke me up and I thought, yeah, let's not worry about the fancy freeze-dried 25-year thing. Let's just, like Brian was saying, rotate the stuff that you're going to eat and uh, concentrating more on... Uh, dry bulk storage for, I mean, wheat and rice are going to last for a decade or more. So uh, as long as I take care of it, I'll be fine. And it's way cheaper. It, it definitely is. Definitely is. I, I think a lot of people think about that long-term food storage. They hear about the 25-year uh, shelf life. I, I remember uh, we have a friend who went to you know, I, I think that a Thrive party, I, I think that's one of the food storage companies. They went to a, a Thrive party and uh, someone was talking about, you know, all the, the bad stuff that could happen and why you need food storage and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And and so she left there with, uh, you know, it's kind of like a Tupperware party or whatever kind of party, uh, Mary Kay. She left there with a, like a 10, uh, uh, a number 10 can of, uh, uh, of milk, right. Of powdered milk. And so she's like, I got my powdered milk. And, uh, I, I think a lot of people, you know, look at that and like, okay, that's gonna, I, I've got a little bit of this put back, but like when you really start looking at those, uh, numbers and, and the servings, it really, you know, is an eye opener. So I think that's important. There's been some really great blog posts over the years on prepper website, about looking at serving size and uh, looking at your family and, and trying to estimate how much food you have, because I think that's probably another failure that uh, people have. And we didn't talk about that one, but putting up food, thinking this will last us for this amount of time and not thinking about, you know, when you, if you were really in a survival situation now, I mean, there's some people and we've all heard of those people who, uh, maybe lost their job and they didn't have money coming in. So they were able to survive off of their food storage. But in a real survival situation, let's say when, if the poop hits the fan, you're going to be uh, expending a lot of calories and to uh, replenish those calories. Now, I think most of Americans, we can lose a little bit, except for you, Mick, you can't lose any weight, but you know, most people can lose a little bit of weight uh, and uh, we'll be okay there. But I, I don't, that's another failure. I think a lot of people are a lot, uh, another mistake. A lot of people make as far as um, not considering the serving sizes there. So um, uh, I'm glad you brought that one up. All right. Um, 
so what would we give? Because, you know, I did mention there's a lot of, a lot of new people that listen to the podcast, a lot of people that are looking for information. What advice would we give to uh, people that are new to preparedness and that are starting their food storage uh, in, in their pantry? Where, where do we, where can they start and really get a, a big bang for their buck and not make the mistakes that we've made? Uh, what would you tell someone if they came to you? Um, we'll start. Mick, can I? Can we start with you? Oh, sure. Well, we sort of touched on it already about uh, buy what you're going to eat anyway. And uh, I've seen some other articles where they say it's not that hard. If you're going to the store and you're buying a can of corn, buy two cans of corn. <clears throat> with the, uh, the goal being that basically you're going to end up being one grocery trip ahead at first, and then you can be two grocery trips ahead. So you can just add to what you've already got. And that's going to be good for nine months. Whatever is on the, the cans is, yeah, you know, a guide, but that's going to keep you for a while. And it's what you were going to eat anyway. So you're not really out anything. <clears throat> so that's, that's a pretty safe way to start. Uh, after that, I guess I'd say trying to keep a, uh, a more rounded picture of what you're putting away. So you don't end up with, like you say, 400 pounds of rice and nothing else. Because, uh, yeah, well, aside from being really boring, it's not a very balanced diet. So uh, making sure you're uh, storing up some protein as well as some vegetables to go with your carbs. But, you know, that's it's really not that hard to just buy a couple extra of something and just start adding to it. And you'd be surprised how much peace of mind it gives you being able to look at a fuller pantry and go, you know, if I couldn't leave the house for three weeks, I think we'd be okay. There's a lot of peace of mind in that. that. That's very true. And, you know, that was one of the questions when I was on the campus uh, that I would ask my teachers. I would go, you know, I would ask them, hey, you know, if you could not go to the grocery store, how many meals can you or how many days could you survive off of what you had in your pantry? And, uh, you know, there were some who, uh, you know, good, you know, uh, I don't know, they, they planned a little bit better. They had big pantries and they weren't preppers, but they just had big pantries. Um, others are like, yeah, I would be able to eat one meal and that's it. You know, that's all I have. So uh, definitely that's uh, some good, good advice there. Brian, what, what would you add? What would you share? I would say, and, and I know this is like said all the time, but I would, I would start out small, you know, as it's easy to get overwhelmed. I was everywhere. I need to learn how to start fires. I need to learn how to work on solar and radios and, and water and filtration. And, and all this is just overwhelming. And next thing you know, you've got, uh, you know, a hundred pounds of food that's really questionable. So I would start with water, start getting some water. And as you're spend spend a week or two, with water, but with, you know, cleaning out triple wash or whatever you want. Um, up here, we call it pop. I think down there, you guys call it soda, but the two liter bottles of pop or soda, rinse them out. If you don't drink it, get it from somebody else, juice bottles, anything except for like, don't use milk jugs or anything like that. But because the, the plastic's too thin, start putting some water together. That's, that's about one of the most important things that you can start storing. You can't always rely on what's coming out of your tap or, or if it's going to continue to come out. And while that's going on, start, um, start a list, start writing down what you're, 
what you're buying. So if, and, and, and I love what Mick said, that's true. You buy, you know, a can of green beans for, for that week or two cans, double it. You don't have to double your whole, you know, that would be very expensive. So, but, you know, just grab some of that stuff that you can put back in your cupboard or on your pantry or, or on a shelf or, or wherever. And in the meantime, start recording all of that. If you make a meal of lasagna and it's got 14 ingredients, write those ingredients down and start thinking about some meals like you were talking about, Todd, making some menus and just start out with two weeks. Just make a goal of two weeks. I Honestly, two weeks will probably get you from almost for most things. It, even the, the big uh, storm that you guys had down there, Todd, I mean, people two weeks would have probably got most people through that. And, and then if you, if you feel more comfortable later on, just double that. Now you've got a month, but it, and it doesn't have to be beans and rice and all that. You can have some, you know, two weeks worth of like, like Mick said, some, some proteins, some vegetables and some carbs and, and you're set. And I'd also say a lot of, a lot of us as preppers, we tend to discount the, the refrigerator and the freezer. If you have a way to maintain that, and I, I could go on for an hour on this and I won't, but we have a generator and the fuel and the ability to can and, and process some of that meat. So before it would go bad, I count what's in our freezers and our refrigerators. And, and that's part of our, our, our storage solution for food. And, um, I'd say go ahead and go for that. If you if you can pick up a used refrigerator or even a new one or a freezer or something, that might be a good idea, but I wouldn't go crazy. I would just start small and focus on two weeks and then a month. And if you really, really want to go crazy, go six months. But um, I, as far as like everything else, I would like canning or dehydrating or anything like that, I would just pick one. And, and learn that skill. And from there, once you've mastered that, really, it, it's going to make you want to expand, but don't try it all at once because it's just, you start making mistakes and you end up with a pantry full of stuff that you're afraid to eat. A lot of great advice there uh, from, from both of you, definitely. Um, my, my addition to all of that would be, you know, I know people that go to the grocery store every other day or every day. I mean, it's it's nuts. It's like they leave work and they stop off at the grocery store. And uh, that that's just no way to go. So, you, you know, going back to the, you, you're talking about your food storage pantry, you, you need to start somewhere. And all the things that we've kind of said here, I think are, are really important. I think you need to have a plan. If you can start off with a plan, and when we talk, you know, about preparedness, we talk about that all the way across the board. If you can start with a plan, you don't make those silly mistakes, those costly mistakes uh, along the way. And I think that's really important. You know, a lot of this is just kind of common sense. Um, one of the other things is we're talking about food pantries and food storage, but there's not a lot of people that know how to cook nowadays. There's a lot of people that go out to eat. I'm, I'm just kind of blown away because, I, I mean, I grew up, my mom always cooked. Uh, my wife's mom, she always cooked. 
my wife cooks, you know, and we had to cook. And when we ran the group home, because there was just, uh, we, you couldn't afford to take the kids out to eat every single night. So uh, that's, that's one of the things people just don't know how to cook. They don't know how to look at ingredients that are there and, and okay, Hey, I, I can take this and this and this, and I can make it into a meal. And so I think maybe even part of your food storage could be some cooking classes, uh, an easy cooking book, um, maybe some videos that you start to, to look at. Uh, I think that would be important. And then the last thing that I would say is uh, starting out is find ways to expand food and in, in, in your food storage. So let me give you an example. When we were thinking about meals that we could eat if, you know, we were ever in a, in a very, you know, in an emergency situation. One of the meals that we came up with was just regular white rice, you know, making a big pot of that. And then taking something like chunky soup, you know, Campbell's chunky soup, taking two or three of those. Now I've got at that time, it was, uh, you know, there was five of us and my boys are bigger than me. And so we're, we're going to put away a lot of food. So, you know, you have a big pot of rice and three cans of chunky soup and you kind of put them all together, maybe add a little bit of a hot sauce. And then you, you're able to expand this meal, maybe add a little bit of bread or some crackers or whatever. Um, and, you know, you, you've got a decent meal there. So um, think of ways that you can expand. Uh, you, can, you can put things together to make things uh, go a little bit, you know, bigger, uh, or to last a little bit longer. And so, uh, that's kind of my advice there, uh, in starting out a lot of things there. We talked about commercial food, but I just want to get your opinions on that. And, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about it before on the podcast and, uh, on, on different videos, but, uh, if we can just talk about that briefly, maybe you have some experiences with, uh, some commercial food, or just, you know, your, your thoughts on that. I know Mick talked a little bit about that, but if we can touch on that um, and then we'll, um, we'll move on from there. Brian, is there any advice there or any, any information you want to share there? Well, you talked about, you know, we have like a, as preppers often where we fail to um, consider servings and that's true. And, and I'm actually dealing with that right now because um I've, I've canned a lot of meat, chicken, beef, pork, that type of thing. And we always did it in quart jars. And I was just with my, my wife and me. And, and now we're, if I open up a jar of chicken or something, we're eating chicken for two days now because it's just before it was, you know, two <laughs> quarts, you know, and now just one quart is way too much. So I'm going to start doing the pints. So that's our, that's our mistake in servings. But I think there's a huge failure with the commercial dehydrated and freeze-dried prepper, you know, quote, prepper um, foods, um, emergency food storage, whatever you want to call it, because there's no regulation and they can consider whatever they want for a serving. So when you, when you look at a package online and it says 18 servings and you get it home, it's like, okay, I can eat this in an afternoon they don't eat like me. So, I mean, it's just uh, like, okay, is two ounces really a serving or what are we, how long is it going to get me? So be cautious about that. Also, I like to hike and, you know, I don't, I don't want to, 
I don't really want to bring a, I can, I can name some names as far as um, brands, but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, do that. So I would throw some stroganoff or something, you know, dehydrated, freeze dried. I mean, it's throw it in my pack and go out there and then, you know, it's all fun and stuff because you're out in the woods, you know, and you heat up your water and you throw it in your, in your, in your, in your pot and you stir it up and you start eating this and it's like, okay. This isn't really nothing like what I'm used to. I mean, this isn't even hamburger. This isn't even hamburger helper level, you know. This is way below that. And the eggs, so wow. And so I, I'm, and then the next thing you know, you're you're realizing that's kind of not only a waste of money, but it's almost unedible. Some of it is. I just, for me anyway. So I would I would be very cautious. I do have a bunch of number 10 gallon cans and some five gallon pails. Um, Mick brought up the, uh, the wheat berries. I've got, I think I've got like 12 number 10 cans of both white and uh, red wheat berries. And I've got five gallon buckets from, I'm trying not to say names, but from some of those, those companies and that's like a long-term food storage solution that I don't plan on breaking into very often. Although I do plan on getting some of those wheat berries because I, I actually got into a little bit of bread myself during the COVID. I know we're still in it, but in the beginning when it was fun. And, <laughs> sorry, but it was. When I got to stay home for a month and eat out of our pantry, I thought that was awesome. But the, uh, yeah, I would, I would just be cautious and try stuff. So, Rather than ordering, if you see one of those $300 kits, you know, they're trying to push you to buy, go down to the um, Walmart and buy a, buy a little serving or two serving thing of it and take it home and try it. You might, you might just save yourself some money and some heartache. Good, good stuff. And I know you don't want to name names. I'll name names, but uh, I'll let, I'll let Mick go. Go ahead, Mick. Well, I was going to say sort of the same thing when I was doing my uh, mistaken focus on the 25-year shelf life. I was kind of letting that <clears throat> sway me. I started getting suspicious, though, like Brian was saying when they would say, well, it has 187 servings. And I thought, well, I'd be good for a month on that until you start reading the fine print and find out that half of them are orange juice servings. And I thought, well, I'm not going to live very long on you know, 87 servings of orange juice. <clears throat> and like Brian said, if it's two ounces of orange juice, well, then uh, and maybe it's the uh, hummingbird food company. And so the serving is a lot smaller for them. But uh, it's easy. I think it's kind of a mental laziness thing to say, I'm just going to buy a bucket that says I can eat this for a month and not really look at it and really appraise, is that really enough for me or my family for a month? or whatever, uh, not to get too cynical, but the uh, the companies that are selling those, they're really in the business to sell those as opposed to you're in the business of trying to stay alive. So uh, your, your, your goals don't necessarily match. So, and like Brian said, for the amount of money that you'd spend on uh, the freeze-dried buckets, you can buy a whole lot of other stuff and actually be way farther ahead as far as uh, the amount of calories I mean, if you just even look at calories, that gives you a much better idea 
of how far it's going to go. If you've got a uh, 10 calorie serving, I'd say, well, it's not going to last you very long. So uh, I just get a little cynical of those. Obviously, I don't sell those. But uh, when I was looking at the cost that went into them, I thought, oh, what did I bought? Uh, 50 pounds of wheat just recently for counting shipping $38. 50 pounds of wheat is a lot of wheat. And but $38 isn't going to go very far in the freeze-dried market. But it's kind of a, you, know, you have to just sort of admit, am I being lazy and thinking if I buy this bucket, I'm going to put it on a shelf and I think I'm done? Because you know, there's a lot of survivalism. You really can't be lazy about it. Good, good points. A lot of good points there. Um, I, I think it's funny because when, uh, you know, running Prepper website, I get offers for different food companies all the time and people send me food to review and and things like that and there have been so many over the years that I'm like I like you know they're like hey did you get our package what you know what do you think you know are you going to do a review on it and I'm like if I do a review on it it's going to be a negative review because this sucks so bad you know um, you know maybe if I was starving and it was the last thing on earth you know the apocalypse whatever walking dead uh, maybe so but uh, there's just some really bad stuff out there and I always recommend that if you are going to go that route. Now I do I do recommend that you have some long-term food storage, right? I, I if if you look at my approach and if you go to my course, you're going to see canned food is number 1. You need to make sure you have a lot of canned food. Um, I'm going to talk about making your own uh, food buckets with with 5-gallon buckets and mylar bags. And then I talk a little bit about uh, long-term food storage. And so I think you should have a little bit of that. So one of the advantages is that it's lighter because it's freeze-dried. Um, it might not be as much, but it's a little bit lighter. So if you needed to, to quickly leave or you wanted to put something in your, in your bag, I mean, you could put uh, a little bit more. But what Brian was saying, uh, and uh, you know, was very true. Go to Walmart. You can buy stuff. Um, uh, oh my gosh, I already forgot the name of it. Man, it was right on the tip of my tongue. Brian, what's the one that's at Walmart that you can buy? Mountain House. Yeah. Okay. So Mountain. There you go. All right. So mixed guy, mixed shown. Mountain House is probably one of the better ones if you're if you are going to look at freeze dried food. Uh, and then the other one that I would recommend is legacy food. Um, I actually like legacy food. We, you know, we I've tested that I reviewed it and, and I would, uh, and, and I recommend that like, if you, if you really want to get some long-term food storage, I would tell you go that way. Um, again, I'm going to tell you get canned food first. I'm going to tell you build your own buckets first and then get some, some long-term food storage, but, uh, you've got to taste it. Every, every company that is out there has some kind of a trial that you can purchase, you know, a little variety pack or something like that. Buy that variety pack and you eat it and let your kids eat it and do a little taste test and see, you know, hey, is this something that you would, you would eat on a regular and a consistent basis? So um, that's kind of my, my two cents there, but it is very expensive Mick is very right when he says you can buy a whole lot more canned food and bulk food uh, with um, with uh, the money that you're going to spend 
on that freeze-dried or dehydrated food. Uh, and it could be considered lazy. I mean, if you just have a lot of money and you're like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, throw a lot of, I'm going to spend $3,000 and fill up my closet. You know, I'm going to get 25 pallets of food, of, of food delivered, you know, by Amazon in my front door. Um, all right, fine. But, uh, you know, hopefully you truly taste it. There's a lot of junk out there and uh, you just really need to make sure that it, it's, it's something that you're going to eat and that your, your kids are going to eat. So, um, all right. So that's, that's where we are there with uh, the commercial food storage. Um, let's talk about one more big thing here, because when I think about preparedness and, and I think about emergency preparedness, I live on the Gulf Coast. I, I think of, of, you know, hurricanes definitely now. Uh, I think everybody in Texas is going to be thinking about ice storms and snowstorms and snowmageddon or snowvid or whatever people are calling it. Um, so that's going to be another thing in the back of people's minds now nowadays, uh, not just hurricanes. But I also think about if, you know, what happens if this would go on, right? If, if something truly, truly happened long-term, what would happen there? And so uh, that's, that's the point of this next question. What do you have in mind or stored for long-term after one year? You know, if you, if you went after, if you went a year, you know, if you lasted a year in a real survival situation, whatever that might be, what would you have planned for food storage or what are your thoughts on that? And uh, Mick, I know that you wrote an article on, on that just recently. We had it over uh, uh, listed on, on Prepper website. Uh, I want I want you to go ahead and open up with this question here. Maybe you can share a little bit about your, your blog post and then you can, um, you know, tell us your thoughts on, on going longer than a year. Sure. Uh, well, I'd mentioned, uh, before that we, we put away some food so that we can last. I mean, in the ideal world, you'd have enough to last about a year. But like you say, what do you do after that? And that was one of the questions I I asked myself after storing a, a food away for a while. I thought, well, all right, so I've got six months. What happens after that? And then eventually it's going to run out, whatever I've stored. If I can't go to the store to get more, like Brian was saying, you write it on a list and go get more. But if you can't, then you've got what you've got and eventually it'll run out. And pondering on that problem is what got me more seriously into gardening, thinking that, well, if I can't go buy it, I'm going to have to grow it. And if I'm going to grow it, I'm going to have to be growing what I really plan to eat for a year. So that started uh, narrowing down the sorts of things that I would grow in my garden. <clears throat> so I mean, I've got a little patch of asparagus, but you're never going to live on asparagus because you got about a week that you can harvest asparagus and then you're done. And I think I got one serving <clears throat> last time because, well, they weren't doing well. But anyway, uh, so in the article, I talked about the sorts of things that I would, that I've chosen to grow in my garden, uh, doing the three sisters with the uh, corn, bean and squash or pumpkin, same thing, uh, trying to get better at that. I think you had mentioned that, Todd, earlier on, that you just kind of need to practice at it. So instead of uh, <clears throat> just sort of jumping in and thinking I'm going to start growing my own food, yeah, there's a learning curve. So I thought I'm going to do my learning curve now while I can fail and get over it. So uh, 
with the survival garden idea, then uh, then the idea is, well, what do you do with it? That's why I chose uh, uh, flint corn, which is a hard corn, not a sweet corn, and uh, pole beans so that all of these are something that you can store for later. You don't have to like Brussels sprouts, eat it right then or you're done. That uh, there are foods that I can store. And sort of to your point, Todd, about rice and beans getting kind of boring. You know, we grow a lot of tomatoes, we grow hot peppers, uh, we grow onions, we do other things that are going to enhance those those staples. But with the idea that if I can't go to the store, I'm going to have to grow it. So I've been practicing growing it. So that, that's my year plus plan is to uh, to grow them. And then, yeah, you got the, the storage techniques. I think Brian talked about dehydrating. We do a little bit of that. Uh, some of it's just dry, like I say, dry beans, dry corn. They, you don't have to do anything. And uh, we do keep the chickens. And uh, every year I end up with uh, some retirees in the fall that, uh, you know, that I'm not going to renew their contract. So uh, they get they get canned so I can put away the protein for later. And uh, we even do that off cycle. I mean, the, uh, my wife just bought some... Uh, I think they were bone-in chicken breasts at 89 cents a pound. So we thought that's too cheap to give, uh, to let it go. So she bought a pack of that. We're going to pressure can those tomorrow. So putting away the protein. So that was my, uh, my longer than a year term is to uh, learn how to grow it myself. Good stuff. And you, you did say the chickens and uh, I think that's important. You had that extra, uh, you know, you, you have that protein and uh, not only the chickens, but uh, for the meat, but the eggs as well. Um, I think that's, that's uh, important. A lot, a lot of good stuff. Brian, what are your, what are your ideas along, along the side? Um, cannibalism. So um, now I have a garden too, and we also do, and we've kind of, kind of uh, for about a, maybe two years we've gotten into the sprouting. So um, I throw it in my eggs, salads, everything to, you know, just, I don't, any, I don't wanna like spend a whole lot of time on that, but anybody interested in that, just look it up uh, how quickly you can have, you know, a handful of food out of a jar, you know. And then uh, we have a year round indoor garden where, where we just do herbs and, and that type of thing. And then I've got another one that I'll be putting together this weekend for uh, seed starting. But um, with the long-term food storage, I mean, that's my beans and rice. Um, our pantry actually takes us beyond a year right now, but um, I have the Keystone meats and, and like you were talking about, that's my, my uh, the way of thinking too, Todd, when you're talking about, you know, some rice and throwing in some soup or something on top of that. So, my way of thinking was, you know, grab grab a cup or a couple of cups of rice or something, throw it in a pot, throw some of the, you know, break open a Keystone meat and then, you know, and then grab a, a can or, or a jar, depending if you do your own canning, of some vegetables. And you got a real nice meal there. And those those will actually take us probably a couple of years at this point. Um, but, the, but we could do, probably do that. We could probably just if we had to eat rice and beans and vegetables for way past, way beyond a year, because it's just so cheap, you know, and, and I got carried away, you know, and, and I don't know if it's still going on right now, but 
it did be, it's funny because I, I always, you know, during the COVID, the beginning part, they opened up these commercial restaurant supply things to normal human humans, right? I, you know, without having have a business license. And, and I just went nuts. You know, I just, I was, it's like, okay, I got to go, I got to go drop this off and turn around and come back and get another load, you know, cause I didn't bring my pickup and I got, you know, I'm just putting it in an SUV and I've got, a, I got a lot of rice and a lot of beans and, and, and just, I, I found that it was hard to get the, uh, the pails, you know, all of a sudden the pails and stuff. But um, yeah, so we've got, uh, that got the pails now, by the way, anybody that's wanting the pails, if you go to your local Walmart and go to the, um, uh, the bakery, generally, if they have them, they'll give them to you with the lid for a dollar. Now you see, you've got to wash them out and stuff, but that's what we ended up doing. So the rice and beans that take you beyond a year and, um, yeah, this other than the garden, I don't have the chickens. I have the bees, you know, but I, I don't have chickens, but uh, eventually we'll get the chickens and the eggs. And Tyler, oh, I don't want to jump in on you. I was getting ready to answer your question for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. No, you're you're good. You're good. Um, did, I mean, did you say everything? Did you take care of everything that you wanted to say? Yeah, I just started to bring about your meat source that's coming up, and I I thought, well, now I'm just going in right into Todd's backyard. Well, I mean, I I don't have my meat source yet, so I mean, feel free to. Oh, well, the rabbits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know, what's funny is I was on the, the Nextdoor app. Um, I was looking for uh, some recommendations to get some work done around the house uh, from, you know, people in the neighborhood. And someone asked that question, does anyone have any rabbits, you know? And uh, normally around here, we have a big FFA community, but, uh, you know, Future Farmers of America, and they, they take their animals to, uh, to market and to the rodeos and the livestock shows, all that kind of stuff. But uh, normally they, they get their rabbits from specific people. So just putting it out there, uh, I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know. We're getting close to Easter. Maybe that's what the, the question was. But I think a lot of people are starting to think that way as well. You know, how can you uh, add to your to your, uh, to your meat sources and what's easy, you know, you can't, it's not, you can't have a cow in your backyard in suburban America. You can't even have goats, um, you know, without doing a lot of, uh, you know, fixing, fixing up your backyard and, and making a lot of fail safes, but it's real easy to carry, uh, care, you know, for some rabbits, you know, and, and, and do those. So, um, you know, thinking long-term for me is it's kind of, um, more of a, of a scary thing as far as going uh, a year because I have a big family and I know that uh, in order to do that, you would have to stock a lot. You know, my idea though, I've always thought this way is in a long-term emergency situation, I'm going to try to get my community together and try to bring them together. And, um, to, to start, you know, looking at uh, all the places that we can grow food, because it's got to be more than just one person doing it, or, you know, uh, you know, you can, you can have a big garden uh, for your family, but there's going to be a lot of people that eventually figure that out as well. So thinking long-term food storage is going to go that route. 
Uh, I know that there's people in the neighborhood just going off of that one woman who said, uh, was that looking for rabbits who have rabbits? I know that there's people who have gar- who garden. I know that there's people who have chickens because every once in a while, you know, or at least they're close by because you can hear them early in the morning every once in a while when the, when the wind's blowing. So I know that's kind of uh, close by. So that would be my a solution is to, to for long term is to think community and to uh, try to get everyone at, at, in a position where they're they're helping each other out uh, and and you know the rice and beans I think that's easy uh, to do like you were saying Brian you know have all that uh, stocked up um, but the thing is you have to have a place for it um, I wish I had like three extra rooms like you I don't have that right now yeah I got to be very careful about the the space that I have and uh, be very smart about that so uh, good stuff there um, anything else that anybody would add there before we move on all right so last thing here the the last thing that we talk about is some kind of survival tip uh, on the topic that we uh, have been talking about. So when it comes to food storage and uh, food, what is one survival tip that we could uh, share with other people? And so uh, Mick, I'm going to throw it over to you. Uh, what would you share? Well, I was thinking of my, uh, my recent experience with rice weevils, that if you're going to store a lot of rice to go with your beans, you're going to want to freeze it. And they recommend freezing it for like three days uh, to kill off the weevils that even if you buy your rice from a reputable source, it's near impossible to guarantee that there aren't weevil eggs in there someplace. And they're little white eggs planted inside of a little white grain of rice. You're never even going to see them. But if the conditions are right, it gets warm, gets humid, they hatch, they start eating. And uh, I know you were joking earlier about weevils as protein. But uh, one of the things they do, at the bag that I found them in, is they, uh, they end up eating all of your rice grains hollow. And so you end up with a little bit of rice flour at the bottom, a few empty shells, and a bunch of weevils. And uh, I didn't really want weevils. Uh, but to avoid weevils, you just uh, freeze your rice. And uh, I got off easy this year because we had a good cold snap of uh, below zero temperatures. So I was able to go set my five gallon buckets of rice out in the driveway and let them freeze hard. Otherwise, yeah, sometimes it's hard to come up with enough freezer space if you got a lot of rice. But like Brian was saying, if you do do it at a bag at a time, the idea is uh, if you freeze it for that long, you kill the eggs and then it ought to be good to go. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to open up one of your bags or one of your uh, big uh, uh, five gallon buckets and find it completely empty and just weevils. And then uh, another thought is you probably, if you're going to open it, you want to open it outside just in case, you know, you, you don't know what it's going to look like when you open it. Right. Do you use Mylar bags uh, when you store in five gallon buckets? Uh, for the rice, I haven't been because I've been buying it in uh, the one pound or two pound bags uh, when it's on sale. And then we, we rotate out of that. I write the dates on the bags and uh, take the older one out. So uh, we try and rotate those. I've, I've got the, uh, the red wheat I've put in mylar bags because those I'm, 
that 50 pounds I'm not going to touch for a while, but the other 50 pounds is more of a rotating stock. So not a lot in the Mylar bags, but I'm doing some of that. Gotcha. All right. Good stuff. We no nobody wants any weevils. All right, Ryan. What about what about you? What uh, survival tip would you share there? Uh, I'd like to talk a, a minute about expiration dates versus best buy dates. So, and I got this tip from you, Todd. So, I altered it a little bit because on your podcast you were talking about it's hard to read these. And then there's no standard place to put an, uh, a Best Buy date. So sometimes on top, the bottom, and, and you know, and I'm older and wear glasses and I'm, I can't read it. So I take when I, when I, if I buy a dozen cans of corn, I find where the date is. Now I know where it's at and, and they're all going to be the same because I bought a case. So then I take it and I just write that, that number with a Sharpie right on the top. And I think you put, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you put the, the date you bought it. Right. The, the date that I come back from the grocery store and, and have it there. It's just easier for me because I don't have to fight to try to find the, the date. Right. Yeah, that's probably the, the, the smarter thing to do. Because honestly, these dates don't really mean a lot. Right. So your dates and my dates, I, I just want everybody to understand that this is December of 22. If it's if it's December of 28, I will still open this can and eat this can of corn. It's going to be perfectly fine. It's that's that's not an expiration date. That's the best buy. That's the date generally a year. I don't know where they get that arbitrary number from, but that's just the date that this particular company will warrant the the freshness of the what's in this can. But even even our own government says this can is good indefinitely. That's not everything. I mean, you you know you don't want to like take some butter, a stick of butter or something, and and you know think that's good. So there's certain things, and you and you and you get to learn you know what what goes bad or what tastes bad, what'll last long. But generally, most of the can, and that includes the meat, um, canned goods generally are are indefinite shelf life now that's that's if there's no dents the seams not uh uh compromised at all there's no rust you know it's it's stayed good and hopefully you're keeping your pantry and you know cool dry and out of you know keep the windows covered if you have any windows no direct sunlight and that type of thing and you're fine but um, for years, and this could go back to a, a, a mistake way beyond when we were doing the food storage before. I can't tell you how many times I've done spring cleaning over the years and seen something like, wow, that's expired and threw these things out. We'll never do that now. But, you know, I've thrown away a lot of food in the past thinking that it was no good. And it's, it's, it's still perfectly fine. And, and all you got to do is to smell and taste test, right? Crack it open, just bring it up real nice and slow. And if it's if it smells okay, it's probably okay. Go ahead and try it, and and you, I'm sure you'll be okay unless you're not. But you know, you probably will be. Good stuff. That that's really important because you're right. A lot of people think you know December 23rd. There's a little man or something in there that all of a sudden you know all the all the food goes bad or whatever you know whatever that date might be. So uh, a lot of good stuff there, uh, good information. All right, so my tip is think non-electric. Now, 
I am a big fan of electricity and a big fan of power, uh, you know, coming off of, uh, you know, the, the whole snowmageddon over here in Texas and all that. And so many people were without power. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. I like, I like lights. I like power. I'm, I'm, we're, we're able to do this live because of all of that. But in, in an emergency situation, even if you're talking about a short-term one, like a hurricane or snowmageddon, whatever it might be, a blizzard that you're in, it's quite possible that you might not have electricity. So if you have a lot of canned food, how are you going to open that? If, you know, there's pop lids, you know, some of those are really easy to open, but um, those are also um, very easy to fail as well. So uh, if you have a regular can, how are you going to open that up? Um, all those wheat berries that, uh, that Mick has, um, you can cook wheat berries and heat those up. And, you know, uh, you, there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. But a lot of people are going to grind those up as well. So I like, uh, you know, electrical, you know, I have, I have a, a grinder, uh, you know, um, uh, what is it? The, the Wonder Boy, oh my God, whatever, but yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but I have one where it grinds it for you. But in, uh, you know, a poop hit the fan situation, if there wasn't electricity, how would I grind what I have? So there needs to be, you know, some kind of form to do that. Um, I, again, going back to the cans, you need to have a can opener, right? You need to have, and, and can openers fail so often that if you find a good can opener, buy a couple of those and just kind of put them out of the way just in case so that you can open. So you have some that will open up and, and not fail, but uh, think non-electric um, when it comes to like your coffee. Um, I talk about this a lot. Uh, I have a Mr. Coffee or whatever it is in a drip coffee, but in a situation like even just Harvey, when we had hurricane Harvey, I was able to use an old fashioned percolator on my gas grill outside and we had coffee and we didn't have to worry about that. I know a lot of people who didn't have coffee and had headaches because they didn't have coffee and all of that. So think non-electric. Uh, I, I think that would be helpful. Have, have alternatives, use electricity, use all those powered ways of, of, of getting around the kitchen, but also have a way of uh, getting around if you don't have electricity. And then lastly, have a way to cook your food. Um, you know, one of the things we're, uh, I, I'm very grateful that I have a gas stove. And so even when the electricity went, actually when the electricity went out this last time during this, the snow apocalypse or whatever, uh, I mean, I was cooking, I had a pot of chili going, you know, it was cold. We had a pot of chili going. I was able to finish the pot of chili with my headlamp on and uh, we ate chili, right? Uh, a lot of people, uh, have electric stoves, you know, in, in, in the area. And so they weren't able to cook, have a way, alternative ways to cook more than just one so that you can cook your food. So I think, you know, when you're talking about food storage, it'd be a waste to have all this food storage and then not be able to uh, be able to cook it. Right. All right, guys, that, that is it. A lot of good stuff. Uh, a lot of, you know, on food storage, we could continue going on. Like Brian was saying, uh, this is a big topic, but it doesn't have to be a hard topic. It doesn't have to be one of those things that's so scary that you don't uh, engage in it because food is a very important aspect of your preparedness. Before we end it, guys, is there anything else that you'd like to add here um, before we, we end it off? Yeah, I, I want to go, I want to revisit my 
my date. I never said why. I failed to say why I put that date there. That's just for rotation. So that's not because that's when the can's no good. This is just to make it easy for my old eyes to be able to say, okay, this the can that I just bought is going to go beyond behind this one. So even though this thing in my mind is not going to expire anyway, I still want to as fresh as possible. So we still rotate. So that is the only reason those dates. And I literally date every single thing in that pantry's got a date written on it somewhere. So yeah, and it's fun too. Nice weekend project. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that's one of the reasons why I did it is because my eyes, you know, I didn't want to sit there and, and, and fight with it, you know, um, and, and have my glasses and try to try to do all that. Uh, we didn't talk a lot about rotation, um, but that's another aspect of it. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Mick, anything to add there? No, I don't think so. I think we covered quite a bit. Awesome. Well, guys, listen, in the description of the video, or if you're listening to this on the podcast, I have links to Mick's uh, recent article on long-term food uh, storage. I have Brian's link to his video on his pantry. And uh, like I said, you can watch that and get jealous and give a, get a lot of ideas. He shares a lot of ideas as well, as well there. Um, I have a link to one of my articles that I wrote years back on uh, the Uber guide to food storage. And I also have a link to my food storage course, my free food storage course that you could take and uh, get a lot of information there. You could go through it in about an hour. There's a, you know, a worksheet that you can print out and use to take notes and, and to walk through that. So uh, I think that's helpful and, and beneficial there. All right, guys, with that, we're going to go ahead and end it. And uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us on this Prepper website live. We will see you next month with another great topic. Thanks so much. Well, everyone, thanks so much for checking out this bonus episode. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we have tons of preparedness, self-reliant, alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading articles just for you. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 hand-picked preparedness articles that you should read. Many of these you can't find on the internet any longer. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.